Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montessi. I am in one of Adelaide's finest restaurants, um, Osteria Oggi, or Oggy, as you call it, Kim. Um, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest, but you've been super keen to record a podcast in this public forum. Um, how are you, Kim? Really good, actually. I'm really excited about this. I think this is um, where it's all at. Like, podcasting is just becoming, it's not mainstream, I guess, but it's just sort of getting to the point where um, it's becoming part of our everyday life. So why not integrate it into lunch? Absolutely. Look, we've just had um, like some type of eel pasta and I've got a little bit of bone stuck in my gum, but that's fine. Um, there's been various other delightful pastas and we've still got the fish to come, mate. So let's make sure we keep this podcast sharp because I'm still a little bit hungry. And that brings up uh, a good point to bring up Daniel Franco, who's with us, um, who uh, loves his food, loves his pasta. He's given us some great guidance throughout the lunch so far. Daniel, um, a big fan of Accounting Insider. Mate, thanks for joining us for lunch. Thanks for having me, mate. Thanks, Kim. Now, before we uh, kind of dig into where old mate Franco's at, um, mate, I'll, I'll need an update from you regarding your buy and sell Facebook group. Now, Accounting Insider listeners will be well aware of this. Um, Kim started this random Porsche buy and sell Facebook group and it's gone viral. Can you give us an update, Kim, about where it's at? Yeah, so this morning was sort of like a bit of a milestone for me. We just clocked up 8,000 members. I think last time we did a podcast on it, we did a whole episode. Um, I reckon we were low hundreds, maybe. It was touch and go whether we close it down or keep it going. It was showing signs of um, wanting to kick on, but uh, today it's just amazing. Can't believe it. Why is it growing so fast? Um, I don't know, but, you know, this... Well, let me just explain the whole story. Um, so I, I um, bought my skateboard on a Facebook buy, sell and swap group. Um, I thought it was absolute nuts, but I was trying to find a situation where I could actually incorporate that or use that idea on a different sort of area that I was interested in. And so I thought, well, hang on, um, maybe I can score a cheap Porsche through it. So I set it up thinking that there'd be a little group in Adelaide that would might resonate with it and join up. But it's just gone viral and what, what I didn't ever expect is that um, it's just taken off in the States. Um, you know, long gone are the ideas of me getting a cheap right-hand drive Porsche in Australia. Um, there's left-hand drive Porsches getting listed on it three or four a day in the States. It's just been sensational. What's it, what's it trending towards? What, what type of mark? How many users do you reckon you're going to have in the next six months? Well, Anara, who set it up for me, she's aiming for 20000 Wow. And I think when we hit that, we can start charging people to advertise on it. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Monetizing it. There are people who have made a lot of good money by building up communities and monetizing them in a way where I guess there's the fine line in that you want to uphold the values of the community, um, make sure that it's well moderated, it's still engaging, but have that fine line of being able to actually commercialize it as well. Yeah. So I'm getting more and more ruthless with the way that I'm sort of scrutinising. I mean, what happens is basically every morning I roll out of bed, grab my iPhone, look at how many people have joined, because it all happens overseas, overnight, while I'm sleeping. Um, You know, typically there's 100, 150 people that have all tried to join while I've been sleeping. So I just approve them, and then I just flick through the posts and rip out all the ones which are unrelated or boring or 
you know, not noteworthy at all. And just sort of try to limit it to what I think is going to be interesting to the guys in the group. Daniel, as a young property investor in Adelaide, we've been talking about forums and alternative ways to get information and build connections. How do you go about it in terms of building up the network that you need to do what you need to do? Yeah, you're probably speaking to the number one Facebook stalker in uh, in Adelaide. Um, Is that me? So, 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 yeah, generally, I think for me, uh, with Facebook or, or LinkedIn or any of those sort of social media, if I can get a, a name, it's it's on for young and old, basically, I'll, I'll look for... Um, I'll look for ways where I can connect with someone. Um, I'm probably not shy in kind of sending a text out or message or an email or something, just saying, hey, listen, like what you do, love what you do. I guess that's how you and me got reconnected again, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it's just the, the benefit of just knowing the name and then knowing what they're about and, and having instant access, I suppose, is, is the best thing for social media. We were talking earlier at lunch, um, talking about how tacky and challenging things like cold calling is and um, how do you see it in terms of actually going from just ringing someone and talking to them but it has no meaning to actually building a relationship? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's it's very much about um, yeah, making, making contact, letting them know who I am. I, I'd always try to go with the angle of having someone that we might have in common, like yeah. friend, friends mutual or connection. Yeah, yeah. mutual connections. So... Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of touch base, hey, listen, such and such put me onto you, um, would love to catch up for coffee, would, well, however, you know, or, you know, sort of start some dialogue somewhere in an email format. So that's generally my angle. And, and then, yeah, then from there, build, build connections that way. The other good thing, Kim, about this episode is that we're putting into practice some lessons learned earlier in, um, in your show. And that, remember you did that episode on the, the importance of the lunch. So I've actually been sitting here kind of taking notes. Like this is, I'm seeing if you're actually living your values and actually doing what you say you will. And it's all going to come down to the bill. Because <laughs> you say, you say, in the epi- he says in the episode that he... Um, he covers covers the bill. That's why I accepted lunch. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, Kim, um, any other developments in your world? Any other learnings, particularly along this line of building connections and relationships? Because it's a it's a flow on from what we talk about with Facebook. Building a community is very much it ultimately comes down to people, and what we're doing right now is exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, if we can get back to my Facebook group there for a moment, I mean, so it's just. It's one of those things that um, it's it's got its own legs now. It's it's its own. You know, you put the idea out there, and it's just taken off. But what I'm learning from it is, and I'm constantly thinking, how can I monetize it? Now that's super hard. Um, I can't. You can't charge people to join your Facebook group. You can charge people to advertise on it. I did have the thought of buying left-hand drive Porsches in Australia for a discount because you can't you can drive them on the road but there's rules and regulations and you it looks quite odd um, so I was thinking of buying them and shipping to the states but because the cars over there are actually cheaper at the start than they are buying in Australia you sort of beaten before you started but what I'm thinking now is this whole online space is just um, all sort of 
the center of gravity is all the states. So I'm now thinking of ways that I can mold my accountancy practice to be able to serve people in the states. And I'm going to use my Facebook group to give me connections to CPAs in yeah. the states who I can sort of integrate with because we're, we're writing software packages, presentations of, a, of accounts packages. And like now that I know what I know through Facebook, the market's not in Australia. We're too small. It's all happening overseas. And I thought that it would mainly be Europe, but it's not. It's like the, um, the acceptance of the internet and the way that people are spending money and everything, it's all happening in the States. Like everywhere else is a bit of, bit of a backwater. If you want to be where the action is, I guess the hub is New York. Secondly, followed by San Francisco. So I'm thinking of like moving my accounting practice online and in five years' time to be a real sort of US sort of focus on the practice. Yeah. Well, my, my view with business is that particularly these days, there's no point in even planning or thinking of starting a business if your goal is to only reach a state or even a country, even just Australia. There's no point. We're in a globalised world. We can access whatever we want from all over the world. Like, I don't actually see the point of thinking so small. Like, every, every business should have a global ambition of sorts. Yeah, so that's just part of the learnings of the whole Facebook thing. Like, um, yeah, so why would you write an app for only Australia? You know, it's all, you're almost beaten before you started. You're outlaying all that money. Why not target it to the US or, or tailor it to the States? One of the, one of the main concepts that you'll read in most personal development books is, you know, think big. You know, shoot for the stars. If you fall short, you'll, you'll get to the moon, that sort of stuff. So uh, it's just common, yeah. common practices. The is, to... Yeah, but they, the thing is it's become such a cliche. And it's, and, but someone actually said, I can't remember who it was, they said, cliches are cliches because most of the time they're true. You know what I mean? And things yeah. like that. Unfortunately, when people say shoot for the stars, it's become this like kind of warm and fuzzy type of feeling that no one does anything about. It just makes them feel good for that moment. How do you, Daniel, have you thought about that when, when you've started with a, with a startup and, and your exercise app? What was kind of your thinking there? Were you initially thinking global or was it just, let's just see how this goes? Well, we, we initially thought global, um, you know, in the American workforce is like 1.8 billion people or something, like it's a ridiculous number, um, but we, we ended up buying a .com.au, so it probably wasn't the greatest start to our, <laughs> to our adventure, but um, in, in saying that, we, we definitely thought about uh, going global and how we could expand in un into other areas as well and, and open up different worlds, so we, we thought about podcasts, we thought about about the exercise challenge, we thought we thought about mind, you know, um, mind health and all that sort of stuff, or well, mental health, I should say. Um, so there was a whole, yeah, vast of thoughts that we had, but whether we put that into practice or not is uh, is another thing moving forward, I suppose. Sticking with the niche again is where I think where we're trying to go at the moment. What it can don't tell us the name of the website, but what did you pay? What ballpark for the for the website? Yeah. No, no, for the domain name. Oh, it was only 50 bucks. Oh, right. Yeah. But it did wasn't... you buy it off someone else or you just... No, nah, we bought it off uh, Namecheap. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. it was so, literally... But someone had actually bought it and then you made... A... No, no, I just went and oh, looked okay. it up. And okay. so it was available. It was available, yeah, for two years. And then uh, for, I think it was 50 bucks uh, US, so then Australian dollars. So where, are, where are most of your users? 
Uh, South Australia at the moment. Yeah, we're not not so a large base. That's just through your own relationships. And Absolutely. So um, start up at its best, and we're actually just starting. So uh, where it goes from here is a, another subject. And we haven't actually introduced it. What what actually does your app do? It's a website based at the moment. Um, it is a exercise challenge uh, website whereby um, we. It's a health and well-being website where people can go on and almost start like a dream team league within the corporate companies. Um, so it's a corporate health and well-being initiative. So essentially, you have the you know the ten thousand step programs. We offer a time-based program uh, for that. So. Um, 15 minutes a day for, for six weeks and you can compete against the people in, in, your, uh, in your company and whoever wins, wins a little prize at the end and, and the glory at the end of it too. So uh, yeah, it's, it's starting slow. We've got a few corporates involved, um, but yeah, obviously looking to expand that in the future. Um, so your, I asked before about your experience with branding and marketing and all of that and you know, um, I'm quite fascinated by that whole journey. Um, you haven't been to uni, it's all, all um, self-taught university of life sort of stuff. How has that stood you in you know, your current role and like um, are some people sceptical of your ability because you don't have the university degree or do you just find that you just keep them alive? Is it work ethic? Like, how do you deal with it? Yeah, look, I've had uh, a lot of self-conscious um, <laughs> episodes in my life where I thought, you know, do I make the cut for not having a degree? Um, then you speak to people, look at degrees, all it is is a piece of paper. You get more, actually, more experience in the field. So my friendship group, there's probably eight of us, all of them have got degrees except for me. Um, but then I've had 10 years more experience in the workforce than what they have had and, and managed to build my uh, my career that way. We'll look at, and again, you kind of, the old, who you surround yourself with is you'll be successful, you know, the, the five people that you hang around and, and whatnot. And all my friends are, and close close group are on the, on the path to sort of doing great things in this world. Um, so we we kind of bounce off each other. So, but but in a career sense, yeah, I've always felt a little bit short of where I needed to be. But I can't. I think that's what's kept me going. I think I've always tried, had something to prove. Like, hey guys, look at me. I'm actually getting results, and you don't need a piece of paper. So um, I'm the same. Yeah. So yeah. when when you got your position, like, was it put out to market, and you were up against all sorts of other guys? Like, did you use some sort of creative edge that you came up with that, to get the position, or like, how did you land your job? So, well, it's, it's an interesting one. I I positioned myself uh, within. Um, so I am a business development manager. I positioned myself within a team that worked with this um, this unit. Uh, we were um, they were a client of ours, and I and I made I positioned myself that I would be the lead um, for this team, uh, and my boss was okay with that. To the point where I just started doing all their work from a client base, uh, learned more about every single project that they were doing. Um, that when it when push came to shove, uh, there was a position available. I, I kind of got a tap on the shoulder in, in the end. So um, yeah, it was when it, it went around in a bit bit of a backdoor. And normally you wouldn't have to apply for this sort of stuff, but yeah, so you got, got headhunted. Yeah, well, not not headhunted, but. Um, there was a position available and, and, and got tapped on the shoulder.
The, um, it's a whole nother podcast series on education because I'm the same. I don't have a degree either. No, most people assume that I do. I'm, I've got a collection of subjects that I've done, but I've never completed a degree. I, when I was, um, I wanted to get into journalism back in the day. Didn't have a high enough score at uni. Did social sciences, wasted my time doing that. Got, ended up getting a job at the Crows and never went back to uni. And then it was actually when I went, I got a job at a, a law firm. I'd been working for eight years at the time. I'd had four years at the Crows, four years as a reporter at Channel 9, and even the law firm was like, oh, but he doesn't have a degree type of thing. They kind of said, oh, oh, can you um, can you continue to study while you're working or whatever? And I did like one subject and then gave it away and I never needed it. But I think the key is I think education is important, but education doesn't have to look like a university degree. So like, as you were saying before, you read heaps of books, you work, you actually get education on the job. You're still educating yourself, or because it isn't in the form of a piece of paper, doesn't actually mean that it's worth any less than what a degree is. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think if anything, I've since I've actually picked up personal development books, my career's just gone well, through of, the roof. A lot of uni yeah. students, uh, I see, are unemployable when they when they finish their degree. They've had no life experience, they have a degree and they're sold a message by the universities, which is, oh, you can't get a job? Maybe you should get honours. Maybe you should get a double degree. It's in the university's interest to keep these people in the system. So they just keep thinking that, oh, I need to get an extra degree or honours or whatever, but they're not actually getting the life experience that's required. And rant. I could get very fired up about this. Um, can we talk about your property portfolio just briefly? I know we're running out of time, but I'm fascinated by it. I think it's a fantastic story. Can you tell us about um, the three properties that you own and how you acquired them and what you intend to do with them in the future? Yeah, so we spoke about this earlier. I'm a little bit at, at odds as to what I, um, I had to do with he's, my He's my in property. breach of the accounting yeah, insider yeah, model. Absolutely. <laughs> I... Uh, I have a little property, my first ever home I bought was at um, Mawson Lakes. Um, again, it was an influence of, of my then uh, fiance, now wife. Um, she, she basically wanted um, a nice little home. I wanted the big block that I could renovate. I come from a, a construction background, family background. Um, but yeah, basically bought that realized that it was not really going to do much. I couldn't add much value to it. So I tried to add as much value as, to it as possible, gave it a repaint, uh, put it in a veranda out the back and then and then basically just pumped the loan um, from that point on to the point where I could then re-borrow to, uh, to do my, buy my next property. So can I just stop you there for a moment? So in, it's been roughly eight years you've had that property? Correct. That has really flatlined in value. Yeah, I bought it just after the GFC, so... Um, okay. So, really, the only way you could add value was by paying the mortgage down? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. By default? Yes. Okay. That's correct. Got it. Property two? Property two bought a corner block uh, in Albert Park, which is next door to West Lakes slash Seton. Uh, old corner... Western suburbs of South Australia Western for uh, interstate and international correct. business. Yeah. Um, yeah, not the Albert Park in Melbourne, I wish it was that, but um, I bought this property, uh, paid probably a little bit more, it was uh, getting advertised for 380 at the time, corner block. I saw, and being sort of hands-on, my whole family's in the construction game, uh, a lot of labourers floating around, my dad's bricklayer by trade, 
father-in-law is a solid plasterer. My my wife's stepfather is a gyp rocker. Cousins are concreter. Uh, family friends are plumber. I'm so jealous. Uncles are electricians. So is this we, true we, story? This is, not this is this up. A, absolutely true story. So we um, we had the people, we had the right people there, and I uh, went in and basically gutted the front home. I paid. I ended up paying. I think it was about four fifteen. So it was about twenty five, thirty grand more. Actually, thirty five. Uh, grand more than than what it was actually advertised, but I saw the potential in it. Um, gutted the gutted it. Did probably about eighty grand of renovations out of my own money. Put in a new bathroom, new ensuite. I uh, built in an ensuite because it was only a single single um, bathroom. Um, yeah, new kitchen, new laundry. Polished the floors. Did the whole kit caboodle, and then um, subdivided that block and and sold that front block. Um, which basically paid off everything and I got a block for free at the back. Built a house on that and now that's worth in excess of, you know, five half a million dollars and yeah, so there's not, not a bad little profit out of the corner block. Um, I love that story because you've effectively, you have taken the front of that place, renovated it um, and got all your money back on half of that deal and ended up with a free yeah. In inverted commas, block of land at the back. Yeah, it was which a, is just the, the bonus of the whole deal, without doubt. And it, and my wife had a little two-year-old at the time, and we we're pregnant with our second. And my wife was pregnant with a second, so you can imagine that I was the worst human being in the world at that when we were uh, when we were doing the renos. I was leaving work at four four thirty every night, and then going to work there till nine thirty ten o'clock every night. And Laura, my wife, would bring me dinner and. I'd eat like an absolute pig because I hadn't eaten. I put on probably about 15, 20 kilos during the process as well because I was just, my eating patterns but, were out but, of but whack. That just, I just want to stop you right there because that whole work ethic for me has been the difference between success and failure. Yeah. You right. know, so how many people go home at five o'clock and say, that's it, I'm done for the day. Whereas you rolled your sleeves up, you know, didn't want to do it. You've got a wife and kids at home who were screaming out for you, it's like, no, I need to do this. This is an investment, massive investment in my time. I'm doing this for the family. I know you are. Yeah. And look at the results. Like, yeah. the, the, you know, that I think that that work ethic, and that's probably from your parents that have yeah. instilled that into you. You've seen yeah. them working their asses off their whole Absolutely. life. Yeah. And come. it's flowed through into your, your, your life. Absolutely. Come from a good Italian heritage uh, where... Where you know everything's done with good, honest, hard work, um, but it's got to be productive work. You know, can't just be you can't work for the sake of it. So um, yeah, my dad, we often joke, is in a walking encyclopedia. So uh, I learned yeah, learn a lot of him. And you know, if I'm half the man he is one day, I'll, I'll be I'll be a good man, I suppose. So. Okay, now we're really short on time. Yeah, Can sorry. we just fast forward to the property three, please? Property three. Um, Basically, and the, the fish shoe hasn't come out yet either. I think we might have to cancel the fish. <laughs> probably cooked it. They're probably going to have to microwave it. Do you want to go to the kitchen, JB, in? and talk to them about the fish, please? Cancel it if you can. If not, bring it out in a hell of a hurry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, property three got, um, as a result of through the sale of, of the front home, I, um, I became quite um, close with one of the property agents. and um, Yes, I must get this gentleman's name. <laughs> Because you've maxed yeah, we'll out now, off, I think. We'll, get it, off, we'll get it off, off air. Um, <laughs> we, I uh, got a phone call from him one day saying that he had a property that the gentleman wanted to go off the market. Um, didn't want to um, 
it didn't want to didn't want to have any openings or anything like that. Um, had an asking price. I I. I adhered to that asking price. I didn't pay a dollar more or a dollar less. We agreed on a figure. And um, it was it's in Manningham, a 920 square metre block and currently big block, 20, 20 metre frontage. So currently sold one of those and um, yeah, looking to sell the other one. If ever anyone's interested, give me a call. And, and, but no, no, no. But so just going back, so what you sold it for was more than half of... Yeah, so per, so purchase price was six seventy, and the land on the one we sold the land for four twenty five. They're bringing it out. They're bringing the fish out, <laughs> listeners. Um, as much as Kim would like to sneak away, he's going to have to stick around and okay. finish no, the fish. No, I get that. That's fine. Um, okay, so you've sold off half at a ma- well, not massive, but a significant and substantial and well worthwhile profit, and you've still got the other half left. Wow, what a story! Awesome story. Are you happy happy with this, Kim? You wanted to do a podcast out in the open with the punters in the middle of a restaurant. I love We've this done story. it. I think this is it's awesome. been awesome. I've kind of hijacked your Porsche. Uh, stars, no, no, no. It's been good. It's been good. Um, so a little bit of context before we finish up. Daniel Franco and I used to open the bowling for South Australians under 13s, <laughs> Redbacks. <laughs> um, I was the left armour slingshot and big Franco, who's he's a big man now, and he's about this size when he was 13 as well. So you can imagine that he was pretty bloody quick. Um, so that's how we got to know each other. Recently reconnected. Um, he's a good man, interested in growing and learning. And I put him onto Accounting Insider and what you consumed about 25 episodes within 24 hours. I don't even know how you did that. No, that, well, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it was about all 35 episodes in about four or five days. So I think uh, I didn't see my wife for a couple of days. <laughs> no, that's all right, mate. We uh, appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for listening. And again, as we've been saying, uh, listeners, if you've got an interesting story that you think is relevant to Accounting Insider, get in touch because we want to hear about it and we want to chat to you. So connect with us at accountinginsider.net. Thanks for listening.